Welcome to the Quantum Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant. In this show, we'll be exploring all things love, relational mastery, and the initiations that that entails, and what the journey looks like and feels like when we open up and let love lead. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, we are going to kind of piggyback on last week when we were talking about the one who got away. It's kind of a necessary conversation we have to have first before we can go into what we're going to talk about today, which is about the pattern of reminiscing and what it really is here to reveal to us. So obviously there is an element of fantasy that can be associated with reminiscing. But because we covered that so much in last week's episode, my invitation is to just go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet and kind of get the lay of the land about a fantasy pattern. And we're not really going to be talking about a reminiscing pattern from the position of it being a fantasy eject out of reality pattern, even though it can very much be used that way. And we're going to go a layer deeper today, which I'm very excited. So I first want to talk about reminiscing uh, just practically, just so that we kind of get this out of the way and then we'll go a little bit deeper. So when we are reminiscing, what's happening is that we are thinking about all of the positive aspects that have happened in a previous relationship or maybe a previous part of a relationship. Maybe you're reminiscing about the beginning of your relationship where things were really smooth and really magical and you were in the honeymoon phase and you're reminiscing about that phase because you're in the power struggle. And if you heard last week's episode, you will know a little bit more about that. And so if we are in, you know, a gritty chapter of our relationship, it's very likely that we might start reminiscing about the glory days of that relationship where things were smoother, they were brighter, you were more connected and in sync with each other because, you know, the certain parts of your shadow hadn't come to the surface yet. And, you know, this is a natural progression in a relationship. So we might do that in a relationship. We also might kind of default into reminiscing about a previous relationship, both as a coping mechanism if things are really tough and challenging in your current relationship, or if you are feeling lonely, if you're single, or if you're just at a period of life where things are a little bit harder for you. Uh, It's a normal coping mechanism to want to think about times where it was good and it was smooth, and it was a little bit brighter. So there's nothing wrong with that. We just want to address that that happens. And the thing about reminiscing, though, is that it is only focused on the bright aspects. So if we are in a relationship, or even if we're single, and we're thinking about a previous relationship, um, we've got to remember that reminiscing will only have a C the best parts about that relationship. And our memory isn't exactly the most accurate thing. Like we 
do a lot of cognitive distorting in our minds and our memories can distort what really happened. And then you add time and then meaning making on top of that. And what we might be remembering might not actually be the truth, let's say. <laughs> let's just call it what it is. It might not be the truth of what happened. We tend to romanticize things the more spaciousness we have with them. So it's very possible that even our reminiscing about the past is a romanticization of what really happened. And it really does omit all of the parts of the relationship that were crunchy, that were challenging. I mean, if it's a past relationship, there is a reason why that relationship ended. And so when we go into reminiscing, you know, it's fine to like dabble in there for, you know, a couple minutes and like escape reality if you need to. But it's also very, very important that you remind yourself like, okay, I am just fixating on the best parts here. I'm not actually remembering the parts that were challenging. And I need to remember all of it in order to stay rooted in the present, to you know, really stay aligned in my own life. And if we can just remember that, that you know, a relationship ends for a reason. And if things were all sunshine and rainbows and super, super aligned, that relationship wouldn't have ended. It wouldn't have fallen apart, but it, it fell apart. It ended for a reason. And sometimes we don't want to look at what that reason is. We don't want to deal with the fact that, oh, you know, there are parts that I played that contributed to that ending. There are parts that they played and maybe we just weren't a good match or whatever the reason is why it ended. You know, it's, it's harder to look at the reality of that and start to digest it. So that can be one of the reasons why we default into these fantasy patterns, reminiscing being one of them. And, you know, when we can just be with the reality of what happened, so the reality is that there were both these really wonderful things that happened in the relationship and there was stuff that was incongruent. There was stuff that didn't work. There was stuff that just wasn't workable. Otherwise, you would have kept working at it. And both people would have, you know, stayed committed to that process. But when a relationship has gone as far as it can go, the most loving thing we can do is let it go. And the the moment that you know that it's time to let a relationship go is when both people are no longer all in. And it, that's, that's a hard thing for our egos to really be with. Um, rejection is definitely not uh, an easy thing for humans to navigate. But to be in a relationship with rejection, I know this might sound really weird, but being in a relationship with rejection allows you to open up to the possibility of love and connection. Because you're willing to risk being rejected in order to gain the experience of truly being loved. So we're willing to put ourselves out there. But when we shut ourselves down because of previous rejections, then we never really open up to love. 
And that's more of a side tangent. We'll probably touch on that in a future episode, but it's a really important thing to acknowledge because rejection is one of those things that really holds us back and it can have us defaulting into some of these more fantasy patterns where we want to stay where it's, you know, bright and sunny and shiny and happy. We don't want to go down into the shadow. We don't want to go down into the emotional, relational, psychological basement and take a look at what is hiding out in that arena of my, my psyche, in the arena of my life. And so when we really, really honor the process of healing, the process of relational mastery, we know that at least having a relationship with rejection is part of that process. We're going to have to meet it. And this is one of the reasons why we don't want to stop reminiscing, because it means that if we stop reminiscing, we have to touch that thread of there was, to whatever degree, an experience of rejection. You know, whether you chose to leave and you rejected them or they chose to leave and they rejected you, there is a thread of rejection that sometimes we just don't want to touch because it is so tender. And this is why we can really fixate on all of the good stuff and not take into account, you know, the real picture, the whole picture. But the more we take in the whole picture, the less the rejection actually stings. Because when we can look objectively at a relationship and why it didn't work, and we get really honest with ourselves that, you know what, there were parts about this that really didn't work for me. And yeah, it stung. My ego was not thrilled about getting dumped or their ego wasn't thrilled about getting dumped. Um, which I hate that term, by the way, getting dumped, it, it really reinforces this idea that humans are disposable and like when you're done, it's like taking out the trash. So like, let's just omit that, <laughs> you know, when we choose to leave a relationship, let's go with that instead of being dumped. When you choose to leave the relationship, if they chose to leave the relationship, it can bring up that wounding. And so, you know, as human beings, we try and avoid the things that feel hard, that feel uncomfortable. And to really move in the direction of relational mastery and like having that relational dream in your heart come to fruition through your conscious creation of it really does require you to look at the whole picture. So when you notice that you are reminiscing, give yourself some time there, play there if you want to, and then ground it. Ground it by looking at the things that weren't actually working. This is the, this is the reason why we broke up. If you need to create a list uh, as to why the relationship didn't work, the things that were incongruent for you, even if you were the one who was left, uh, especially if you were the one who was left, because it's very, very easy to kind of slip into a place of, you know, feeling really shut down and victimized by that experience if we do not see the parts that we are also playing, which 
in some instances looks like, okay, this is what wasn't working for me that I wasn't being honest about. I was hoping that it would magically change or that it would just go away or that they would magically become a different person and, you know, I wouldn't have to face this part that really wasn't working for me. And when you get really honest about the thing that wasn't working for you, it's so much easier to take an ending of a relationship and not take it so personally. To not make that rejection mean something about who you innately are and not make it mean something about your innate worthiness. So just want to say that off the hop, that it's important that we look at the whole picture of the relationship and not just discount all of the stuff that wasn't working and just like pretend that wasn't there while we fixate on this, you know, romanticized idea of what happened. So that's, you know, the first place we need to address. Now we get to take it down into a nice juicy layer. So whenever we are reminiscing, there is an opportunity here to really build in more nourishment, more fulfillment, more alignment into your life. Hear me out. So when we are in that moment of reminiscing, the next time you're in it, pay attention to what you are thinking about. What are you reminiscing about specifically? And it and it really means nothing about the person that you were in the relationship with, but more so when we're reminiscing, what we're really after is a certain feeling, a certain emotion that was present in that moment of the relationship. So there might be a certain feeling, a certain emotion, a certain experience, a certain value that was really being nourished at that time. And when we default into these reminiscing moments, it'll often take us to the times where a certain degree of our needs were getting met. And that felt really good. And so if we distill that down, if we look at, okay, well, what are the core values that were operating at that point in time? What were the experiences that I was having? What were the emotions and feelings that I was feeling? And distill it down. Get to the gold. Figure it out. What is it that was going on there that really, really brought me to life? Because we don't go and reminisce about things if they haven't brought a certain part of us to life which is really great news. So when you are able to see what that content is, you see what is actually happening there, it becomes less about the other person and that relationship and more to do with these are things that I actually need in my day-to-day life. And I also would like to build them in to either my current relationship or any future relationship that I have. So it actually helps you become more intentional 
with how you are investing your time and your energy in your day-to-day life, but also how you're generating a new relationship. So I'll give you an example. I have one former partner who I often catch myself reminiscing about. And when I really distilled it down, like I was clear that I didn't want to be in a relationship with him again because I'd landed the plane on while we did have a lot going for us in our relationship. um, There were some things that really didn't work. One of them was our mismatch when it comes to spirituality. Um, As it turns out, that's something that's really important to me. I didn't know that about myself going into the relationship, but I did discover that through our relationship. And so it was one of the things that really had us go on very different paths. And it's not that spirituality has to express the exact same way. It's that for me, spirituality needs to be a part of that person's life, a part of who they are. And that just wasn't something that he was interested in exploring at that time. Maybe he has since our relationship ended. I don't know. But at the time, that was a, a big thing, a big, big thing. Um, and then when I look at you know who I was being in that relationship, at the time, I had terrible conflict skills. Like I would be the one who was like popping off and like losing it whenever I got triggered. And I did not want to be that person. But because we'd grooved that into our relationship for four years, um, it was a really hard thing to kind of untangle from, especially at that point in in my life. Like I, I was 27 when our relationship ended. You know, I think I was... 20, well, maybe, I don't know, 23, 24, I don't know. Um, but we dated for nearly four years and you know, I was young. I was in my mid twenties when I dated him and, you know, I was still not processing and dealing with the trauma and the wounding that had happened in my life and my family system. And, because I was trying to hold it all down, like I was talking about in the last episode, where if we don't actually process the things, we grip, we get tight, like we have to hold it all in. And then there will be a point where we just explode. And that was me in that relationship. Whenever I would feel really vulnerable, um, I would lose it. I would be the one who was threatening the relationship. And, you know, really being difficult to be in relationship with. And so that was another big reason why the relationship didn't work out. And then on his side, you know, and we, we played into each other perfectly. Like, like let's be honest here. Um, but he was emotionally shut down. So here I am kind of expressing like this big, big emotion. It's almost like I'm expressing for the both of us and he is shut down. Like it, it's hard to get any sort of reaction out of him, which, you know, when you have a partner like that, then 
the person who has a tendency to escalate just embellishes and gets bigger and bigger, bigger, hoping that it will somehow unfreeze the person. It'll thaw them out a little bit. The heat coming from them will unfreeze and thaw out their partner who's frozen. And it just, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, the person who's shut down shuts down even more. And, you know, even though I wasn't the most emotionally healthy at the time, I also knew that I wanted a partner who could feel things and express their feelings and, you know, be able to move in that direction with me in, uh, and grow in that direction, which wasn't the case at that time either. So these are three pretty big reasons why our relationship went as far as it could go and that we ended our relationship. And so whenever I go into reminiscing, it's so important to me that I also presence those three reasons why it didn't work out or else I will get lost in the fantasy too of like, oh, maybe he was the one who got away. <laughs> you know? Do you see how we're building from last week? And so when I presence that, I'm like, oh yeah, he's not the one that got away, but he was the one for that period of time. He absolutely was the one for that phase of my life. And I can't think of anyone better that I would have loved to go through that journey with. Um, and yeah, does it make me sad that we couldn't find a way through? Absolutely. But I also, you know, am honest. You can't drag someone in a direction that they don't want to go. You can't make someone want to do the work that they don't want to do. You know, I like, well, I was interested in moving on this path and moving at a certain pace. It doesn't mean that he was a interested in that path or that even if he was, that he would have been maneuvering at a similar compatible pace. So there's a lot of stuff there when it comes to why we could only go as far as we could go. And, you know, and that's fine. That's totally fine. And so when I really go into those phases of reminiscing, what I had to do was I had to distill down, okay, what were the parts of this relationship that were really great? And so the things about that relationship, the things that were really present in that relationship, there was a lot of creativity. We were both musicians. We did a lot of creative music and magic together. So my creativity was really being fueled on a daily basis. Uh, there was a lot of collaboration in that relationship, even though we kind of fumbled on the more romantic side of like working as a team sometimes, um, as bandmates, there was this natural collaboration that would happen between the two of us. Like I was really open to learning from him and receiving his feedback and he was open to mine in that domain. So we were getting that element of collaboration and then there were other ways that we would collaborate just in our day-to-day -day life. You know, we would collaborate. We loved cooking together. And so there was creativity, collaboration, creation that was happening 
there on a daily basis outside of the music studio. And like those things really, really fed me. There was a lot of play, you know, creativity, play, exploration. These things were really important to me and they still are. Um, There's a lot of quality time in that relationship. We spent a lot of time together and because we had a lot of overlapping um, hobbies, preferences, um, things that we just loved doing, passions, like the things that we liked were very compatible. So spending time together was pretty effortless because no matter what we were doing, we were both enjoying it. And so it was really important for me to get clear of like, okay, that is what like the form of the relationship, this is what's kind of the, the underbelly. These are the values that really bring me to life. So whenever I am off in reminiscing land, I now see that as a signal that any one of these, you know, values may be malnourished currently in my life. So then it's my responsibility, my job to take some inventory in my life. So is that need for creativity and collaboration, play, creation, quality time, connecting with my hobbies and my passions, is, are all of those on? And if so, like how well nourished are they? Because guaranteed every single time that I've caught myself in the pocket of reminiscing, at least one of those core values of mine is malnourished at that particular juncture. So now I have a pathway out. I now can take a look at like, oh, which one of these is not being fed? And then how do I feed it today? So I'm not waiting for... Uh, another relationship to fulfill this for me. I'm actively turning on these values in my day-to-day life. Now that doesn't mean all of them have to be on every single day, 24 seven, but if one has gone malnourished for a while, so let's say play, play is one of the ones that kind of goes by the wayside when we get really serious as adults (laughs) We can forget how important it is to play. And one of the ways that I have woven that into my life is I have regular band practice with my bandmate where we get to play. We get to muck around. Like we laugh so hard that we are crying. It's the best. And so we really get to tap that energy of play. I also have a couple other friends who are just so silly and they're goofy. And every time that I'm around them, we're just total goofballs. I have another friend that we have a history of just going to the playground and like having a play date, like literally going to play at the playground. And like, you know, when you were kids and your friends would come and knock on the door, can Kelsey come out and play? That's literally what our friendship is. He will show up. Can you come out and play? <laughs> and we're, we're in our 30s here. Like, this is great. I mean, I'm almost in my 40s. But, you know, this is, you know, something that I know that I need to thrive. 
my spirit, like, and I have this very deep and rich part of me. My Scorpio moon loves to go deep. And then I have my Leo sun, which is so playful. And I also have a Sagittarius moon or a Sagittarius rising. So I like have this like sparky, playful, passionate energy. And if that is not being fed on a regular basis, the depth of, you know, the Scorpio moon in me will literally submerge everything. And that doesn't feel good either. So if I'm having too much like light and plainness and I'm not taking life seriously, uh, then my Scorpio moon kind of fires on me like, girl, you need to get to the depths. We need some depth here. And then if the Scorpio depth is a little too much, my Leo son is like, we need to play. <laughs> Let us play. Let's go outside and be silly. Um, this is why I often keep paints in my house, crafts in my house. Like I do things that will feed that part of my creativity, play. So you can get a lot of these values met in one creative outing. And so I have to make sure that I'm constantly feeding those parts of me that are, are requirements for me to feel totally alive and in integrity with my spirit, in integrity with who I truly am. And so we first look at the values that show up in that relationship. And then we move into the feelings and the emotions. So a couple of the emotions that I really can pinpoint from that relationship was the feeling of closeness and intimacy of like true connection, really seeing another person. And when, if, if you're not a musician, like I'll give you a little snapshot. Like when you're making music with someone, there's this language of soul that is moving through when you like hit a take on a song and everyone was playing their parts and everything was in this beautiful harmony, like the whole body lights up, like every single cell in the body lights up. There's this massive opening that happens. And when there's an opening that happens, connection is really, really easy. And so we had this energy of intimacy and closeness. Uh, the, the also like the feeling or the sensation of magic, being able to like, literally sit in the studio and, you know, at five o'clock there's nothing. And then seven o'clock, all of a sudden there's a song that's been born into existence. Something that didn't exist before now exists in space and time. And to me that, is so incredibly magical. Uh, there was also a lot of joy and laughter in that relationship. And we just had a lot of fun. We had similar senses of humor. We liked to play with each other. We liked to flirt with each other, um, which I also realized is such a huge thing for me. Like if I can't flirt with my partner, if I can't, have a lot of flirtation in a relationship, I'm not going to be well-fed in that relationship, at least from, you know, an energetic and emotional standpoint. 
there's something that really like moves my creative and sexual energy when I can flirt with a partner. And so that energy was there. So there was this energy of sensuality and, you know, a lot of intimacy in that connection. And, you know, knowing that those are important values and, you know, obviously so much love. Even though we bumbled our way through and like there are ways that we really could have loved each other better, but we just didn't know how at the time, um, we still did the best that we could do. Like I have no doubt in my mind that he loved me to the best of his capability at that point in his life. Just like I loved him to the best of my capability at that point in my life. Um, it would be very different if we met in circumstances today because my understanding of relationships, my understanding of communication, my understanding of love is so much deeper and richer and it would be a very different ball game, you know, but at that time I really gave it my all. I gave it the best that I, I had and it's hard to, it's hard when you give it the best that you can give it, but your relational skills on the back end aren't strong. And, you know, a lot of our relational skills are what we pick up from the world around us. So we pick it up from our family system. We pick it up from our social networks. We pick it up from teachers, mentors. Like there's a lot of places that we pick it up, but we never really go anywhere to learn how to communicate really effectively, how to relate really effectively. Like there isn't a place that we get to learn that early on in our life. Of course, when we become consenting adults, like personal development, relational development is everywhere. And you can definitely find that mentorship now. But back then, like the internet was just beginning to be a thing. Like Facebook didn't even exist when we first started dating, <laughs> uh, which is wild to think about. Um, but it, it was different. Like we have way more access now, you know, 15, 20 years later, I guess it's been 15 years later. Um, but there's just so much more access even now. And 15 years isn't, a huge chunk of time. And so when we look through this lens of like, okay, I did the best that I could do. And, you know, I have definitely grown now. And these things that were there um, in this relationship that really brought me to life and I felt so nourished by I've continued to evolve my relationship with those feelings, those sensations, those emotional experiences. So I've been able to enrich and deepen my relationship to closeness and intimacy and turn on and love all of these energies that were so vital in our relationship. Um, and then we want to look at what the you know, reminiscing is reflecting to us about our desires. So there are always going to be these desires in our heart. And, you know, we can go through life and 
we can get into these funks where we're like, you know what, the thing that I want is just not possible for me. And I'm just going to resign myself to it never happening. We can do that sometimes. And it doesn't stop the relational dream in your heart from pumping. Like there's, it's still there regardless of whether or not you tend to it. And the more you're willing to tend to the desires in your heart, the relational dream that beats in you, the more fulfilled you're naturally going to be in your life. But the more you ignore the relational dream in your heart or you dismiss it or you tell yourself it's not possible for me, um, the more compressed, the more collapsed, the more kind of blasé life becomes. The relational dream in your heart is there for a reason. And so when we go into reminiscing, we are touching threads of that relational dream. We are touching threads of our desire. So this can be a really good imprint exercise if you are both single or if you are in a current relationship. So when you think about the scenarios like that you are reminiscing about, there's something about that specific scenario that is important to be integrated into your relationship. So when I think about this past relationship that I've been talking about, the two, well, I guess there's a couple things that kind of come to mind. The first is like going to the gym together. I loved going to the gym with him. Like we would go off on our own and like do our own workouts, but going to the gym together, having those rituals together, really important. Another scenario that pops up for me often is us creating meals together. And, you know, for me, having a partner who wants to co-create a meal and be in that process of cooking and creating and flirting and playing and just having a great time in the kitchen, very important to me. And obviously the third is our time in the studio. So doing creative things together. Now that doesn't mean a future partner has to be a musician, although I wouldn't be upset if that was the case. Um, but it does mean that there has to be a level of creation that is happening in that relationship, things that we can work on together. And that might just mean we work on our relationship together. We do things that feed the relationship. And we support each other's respective, you know, areas of genius. You know, one of mine is my music. Like my music brings me to life. And I could never imagine being in a relationship with someone who doesn't like the music that I create. That would be ridiculous to me because that would literally kill a part of my soul to be in relationship with someone who just doesn't support that, who doesn't enjoy it, who isn't lit up because of it. But having a partner who loves the music and just wants to hear more of it and is so curious, like even if they're not a musician, that was my last relationship. He wasn't a musician. He was still an artist, but he wasn't a musician. But he came to life when he heard our music and he still does like whenever we write a new song, like he still gets to hear it and he's still pumped. And, you know, I send songs 
to him and be like, check this one out. It's so good. And he's like, it's so good. <laughs> and it's really beautiful to have that connection with him as well. And, you know, having, you know, a partner who really gets the things that bring you to life and is willing to show up in a way that feeds the thing that literally turns you on the most. So if I had a partner who didn't feed this, and I actually have, and it was, you know, we'll talk about this relationship at some point. <laughs> it's a doozy. It's probably like an entire series in and of itself. Um, but I did have a relationship where he just wasn't really that supportive of my music. And anytime that there was a win in that area, it would get downplayed or sabotaged or invalidated. Um, because I mean, there's many reasons why that would happen, but it, that's just the experience that I had in that relationship. And it put out the light in my music. I actually stopped writing music for a while. And to me, that's really tragic because music is the language of my soul. It's how I translate the codes of this work and also the lessons of this relational work into another medium, into a medium where people can listen to these songs and feel the cellular shifting happening. You can feel the opening in their heart, in their body. And to me, that that's some serious magical alchemy there. And for someone to not see the magnificence of that and not want to stoke those fires is just a non-negotiable. It's a non-starter. And so you have to find the thing that brings you to life and then really understand like what creates the conditions for those flames to be fanned and what creates the conditions for, you know, the burning fire of that passion to be snuffed out. So we have to know what creates more of the fire uh, when it comes to our passions and the thing that really turns our soul on. And we also have to know what situations and circumstances actually bring a big bucket of water and like douse the flames of our soul turn on. Both are equally important. Because if you know the thing that douses out the flame, you will be able to sniff that out in someone new relatively quickly. You will be able to see in a low investment scenario how they respond to the thing that brings you most to life. If they don't get jacked up about it, if they aren't into it, if they aren't turned on by your turn on, they aren't the one. And we'll talk about the one because I got my whole, <laughs> my whole world on the one. Um, but they aren't the one to go into this journey of relationship with. Because you will spend your entire relationship trying to convince them why this part of you is worthy, why this part of you matters, why this part of you needs to be fed. And they don't want to feed it. They can't feed it sometimes. And you will waste a lot of your life force energy trying to convert them 
to see you, get them to see who you truly are. When you could just start with someone who actually just sees who you are right from the get-go. And they really get how special you are and how special the gift of your soul is. You know, and I'm not talking about special, like the world of like, I'm so special, cater to me. Like that, that's entitlement. <laughs> like when I'm talking about special, I mean that thing that only your soul can weave into the tapestry of humanity, the unique way that your soul turns on. And you can figure out this place if you don't know what this specific thing is for you. Pay attention to the places in your life where you lose time, where you'll be doing this thing and all of a sudden five hours have gone by and you are just in the vortex. Any time that you are in the vortex, love's vortex, is a signal, is a big clue to what brings your soul alive. And once you know the thing that brings your soul alive, then it's up to you to figure out what are the energies that really kind of energize and amplify this soul speak, this soul calling, this soul energy. And then what are the things that immediately dampen it, the things that, you know, slowly dampen it, so you have that on your radar when you're vetting people. Dating is about vetting. You are vetting to see if there is enough relational alignment for you to give your commitment to a relationship with them if you're dating for partnership. Obviously, there are many other reasons to date. Dating for partnership is what I will primarily be talking about here. If you want to date casually just for the sake of dating, that's fine. But these things still matter because whoever you are combining your energy with will impact and influence you, whether you think they will or not. So if they are constantly poo-pooing your dreams uh, and you're just casually intertwined with them, it's still going to impact what comes through you. You might not create as much. You might not feel as inspired you might, you know, stop taking care of your well-being. And, you know, for our soul medicine to come through, we have to be willing to take care of ourselves. So obviously that means self-care, but also on an emotional and relational level. We have to start being a little more selective with who gets access to us, which, by the way, is what next week is about sing sing stay tuned um and so we really want to look at what are the things that kind of fan these soul flames and is that there first of all if you're in a relationship is that there and if it isn't is it something that the other person is willing to co-cultivate with you so you have to tend to it as well on your own, but then also your partner will have a, a part to play in that. And are they willing to play that part? Because if they aren't willing to do the thing that literally turns your soul on so that you are at your best, and this could be as simple as you know words of affirmation and really hearing, you know, let, let's say you're a painter, right? 
and you just love to paint. And the thing that really fans the flames is when someone looks at your piece of art and really takes it in and tells you how that piece of art makes them feel or what they think or what they, they get from the art. That really feeds and fans the flames. And you have a partner who like either won't even look at the painting or like will just give it a glance and be like, oh, yeah, it's good. And immediately that will just whoo, cut off the connection to that soul flame. And if that happens enough times, you might get really down about creation. You might not pick up your paintbrushes. And you might not give your gift to the world because you are linked up with someone who doesn't know how to fan the flames. Now, before we toss the relationship out, we want to give your partner that high quality information of this is what I actually need in order to really thrive in this relationship. And are you willing to meet me there? And well, I'm sure we'll talk about these types of conversations in the future, but we have to at least give them an opportunity to show up better. Like I'm never going to advocate for just like jumping out of a relationship when you notice mismatch and when you notice incongruencies or when you're in that period of the, you know, crunchy time <laughs> or in the power struggle um, where things are a bit more gritty. Like the solution isn't jumping out of the relationship. It's learning to work with the grit and giving the other person the high quality information that they need so that they can actually meet you. So it's not really fair to jump out of a relationship if you haven't communicated that. And if you communicate that and they literally say, no, I, I can't do that or I'm not interested in doing that, well, then you have your answer. Again, you can't force someone to go in a direction that they don't want to go. But we can give them the information so that they can choose out of their own free will what they want to do with that. And of course, this always goes both ways. So sometimes with this work, we can get really narcissistic about it, where it's like, me, 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 me. And we forget that there is another person where this same experience is happening for them. So it's also important that we understand what their desires are that live in their heart. What are the things that they want to create in the world? What is the thing that brings them to life? And are we fanning the flames of that? Or are we unknowingly dousing that or maybe intentionally dousing that? Because what you'll find is most of the time when a dousing of a passion, soul, spirit is happening, rarely is it actually intentional. Rarely. And what usually happens is we're just unknowingly living life and like doing what we do and we don't realize that we're doing something that is actually like putting water on the flame of our partner. And so we would want to receive you know, that grace of like, well, actually I just, I didn't know and I wasn't doing it intentionally, but we very often do not extend that same grace to our partner. If the roles are reversed, we automatically assume that they're doing it on purpose. So this is where one of these cognitive distortions that 
really comes in hot that really fucks us up. And so we have to be able to clear that and look through the lens of, you know what, this is probably not intentional. And that needs to be woven into the way that you speak about it with them. I know this is probably not intentional. You might not even know that you're doing this. Um, But I've noticed in myself that when this happens, I feel really deflated when it comes to this thing that really turns my soul on. And that is a travesty. And I know that you're probably not doing that on purpose. And it's something that needs to be addressed. So are you with me? Do you want to hear how we can maneuver through this? And the majority of people are good humans and they just want to win with you. And they want to know what to do to love you better. They just don't know. So we got to teach them. We got to teach each other. And so this is one of the ways that we can really enhance the vitality of a relationship is by utilizing, you know, the things that we've been reminiscing about. So really getting clear on the values that it represents, getting clear on the feelings and the emotions that we're trying to recreate, and then getting super clear on what's like heart desires are there. So desires about the relationship even, or like certain things that you want to do or create or experience together, but then also the desires of your soul. So what is that soul thing that turns on in you and how is your relationship really feeding and fanning those flames. So I'm going to wrap it there because that was a long tangent. And I know that that will be a lot to digest in your system. But I am so excited to hear what you take away from this episode. So if you'd like to come over and join us in the Quantum Love membership, I will put the link in the show notes. It's $22 a month for the month of March. It's an ongoing membership. And this is a place where you can digest the podcast episodes. There are some other treats in there. There's workbooks in there. There's my written transmissions in there. There's all of the community calls that I do. All the replays are in there. So you can go and watch more lessons and sessions and all of that goodness. Um, And if you'd like to go a little bit deeper in your relational journey, you can always come into the Embodied Love. Why do I keep calling it the Embodied Love? Maybe I need to change the name. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Embodied Alchemy series. And this is an eight-week series. The next theme that we're working with are the codes of quantum love. And it's a mix between alchemical embodiment journeys that are guided by yours truly and also coaching calls, group coaching calls in that container. Or you can come into Initiated, which is the path for the foundations for relational mastery. So this is where we really get into the heart of this work. We really start pulling apart all of these patterns and looking at, you know, how we're showing up and adjusting so that we are in alignment with that relational dream in our heart. So all of those options 
are going to be in the show notes for you. If you loved the episode, I would be forever grateful if you shared it on your social media, share it with your friends, someone that you think would really benefit from hearing this conversation. And of course, if you feel so inclined to leave a review on the podcast on Apple Podcasts, that is so helpful for us and that helps get this message out into the world. Um, those are all the ways. Those are all the ways that you can continue to participate and play. And I'm just so excited to be here with all of you. And I look forward to being back next week with another episode for you. And until then, we'll see you soon. Bye, friends. <laughs>